plans for my crazy day. My packed commute. All those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. You are Locked On Jaguars, your daily podcast on the Jacksonville Jaguars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome again to another edition of Locked On Jaguars. I'm your host, Kerry Belkin. Today, we're going to wrap up our Locked On crossover with Locked On Broncos. We're going to be joined by hosts, Luke Polglaze and Chad Jensen, and we're going to discuss the Denver Broncos from a Jacksonville perspective this time in this crossover edition of Locked On Jaguars and Locked On Broncos, both of which are a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the fastest growing audio network in the world today. Don't forget to check out Locked On NFL and Locked On NBA or any of the other podcasts dedicated to to your favorite teams. The Locked On Podcast Network is dedicated to bringing you the most unique and fresh perspectives when it comes to your favorite team, and we do that every Monday through Friday. And again, I talk to Chad Jensen and Luke Polglaze, co-hosts of Locked On Broncos, and ask them all about how the Jaguars could win this game. Here's how that conversation went. All right, Chad, I wanted to get into some of the stuff that Jacksonville has to look forward to for this game. Kansas City was pretty successful against you guys, uh, against the Denver Broncos in the second half uh, of that game offensively. How did they do that, and how should Jacksonville replicate? Well, really, uh, uh, Kansas City's biggest success, I think, throughout the game and, and into the second half and overtime was just putting consistent pressure on uh, the quarterback, Trevor Simeon. And, um, you know, they, they sacked him, I think it was five times that game. Correct me if I'm wrong, Luke. But, um, and one of those included a, a safety. And um, one of the hits he took, in fact, in the overtime period, sprained his foot very badly. He's been in a walking boot, missed both Wednesday and Thursday practice. From what I'm told, the Broncos remain hopeful that he can play uh, against the Jags, but from the sounds of things and just talking to people, um, it he's he's not he's probably not going to play. So that puts Paxton Lynch in his shoes, and uh, I think you know you pre- the, the old adage you put pressure on a young quarterback, and for a defense, typically good things happen. Uh, what do, what do you think about that, Luke? How does how does Jacksonville have to replicate that offense? What did Kansas City do well, and how does Jacksonville has uh, have to replicate that? Yeah, well, really what it came down to in the second half was the Broncos had success attacking matchups. Um, and we saw we saw Simeon just go repeatedly at the young Philip Gaines, the cornerback for them, um, to the tune of, you know, six catches, over 200 yards, two touchdowns. So, you know, really they, they forced Simeon um, when he wasn't, you know, the moments when he wasn't having as much success were when they were getting pressure on him and forcing him into other ta- targets, into non-advantageous ones. So he actually identified 
the mismatch there, and it's going to be a, you know the job of the defense to pressure him not to find the mismatch and to exploit that. They got to keep him on this t- his toes. They got to keep him thinking. Um, he's really shown this season that he can struggle to read coverage post snap. So if they if they roll the coverage a little bit, he just struggles to read that. He freezes a little bit, and that's all you've got to do to a young quarterback at the top of his drop. Just freeze him a little bit and force him to force him to make a throw he doesn't want to have to make. When I think about this Denver defense, I think about a defense that loves to force these young quarterbacks into making mistakes. Blake Bortles, uh, Blake Bortles is a young quarterback, and he his biggest stigma is all the mistakes that he has been prone to. What does this defense like to do specifically in order to force mistakes uh, from opposing quarterbacks? Yeah, so this defense, um, you know, it's a pretty, you know, we talk about the 3-4, and it's a pretty unique 3-4 defense. Oftentimes when we talk about the 3-4, it's a lot of um, what's called two-gapping, where uh, where, where the players basically stand up, or the defensive linemen stand up their offensive linemen and allow the linebackers to flow to the ball. This defensive line is a, is very different. It's a one gap defense. It's a slanting defense where basically they're just going to slant the defensive line and work with the linebackers from there. Um, when that comes to the pass rush, oftentimes they're going to bring the three defensive linemen and then they're going to bring those two outside linebackers right along with it. Um, now we did see in this past game, you know, Wade Phillips mixed it up a lot more. He dropped Von Miller into coverage more times, um, more frequently than I've really seen over the last couple of years in a specific game of that magnitude. Um, so, you know, Wade Phillips has shown a proclivity to mix it up, but he does like to bring um, the the three down linemen, the two outside linebackers, and he will also bring some kind of twists and delayed stunts off that. Um, one thing to keep an eye out for that the Broncos have shown that they'll bring it on third down situations is they will bring the deep safety on a delay blitz. Um, they'll roll the they'll roll the box safety out deep, and that free safety comes charging down late. The Broncos have gotten several key sacks with that in key moments, so that's one that Wade Phillips likes to keep in his back pocket for those big moments. Uh, as a follow-up question to that, Luke, one of the matchups I was looking forward to uh, was Kelvin Beecham and Von Miller. However, during Sunday's game, I noticed that they flipped sometimes Von Miller instead of him being on the left uh, tackle side, he went to the right tackle side. So we could be looking at uh, Von Miller against AJ Khan, the right tackle for the Jaguars. What do you see in that matchup? What does Khan have to do in order to ensure that he doesn't get beat just in case he is matched up against Von Miller? Yeah, so they like to put Von Miller over the strong side, over that tight end. So oftentimes, just with the way an NFL offense set up sets up, he is going to be rushing against that right tackle. Um, and so many pass rushers we see in the league right now often are rushing against that right tackle. Um, so, you know, a guy like Khan is going to have his hands full. First of all, Von Miller is, you know, basically all pro skill level. Uh, and uh, that's that's not something you find on every street corner. Um, so he's he's going to have his hands full. Basically, the thing that Vaughn, you know, brings is he, he has all kinds of moves, um, all kinds of skill. He can bull rush you. He can put moves on you. But the one thing that he really likes to go to more than uh, more than anything else is that kind of dip underneath room and uh, uh, move and just kind of try and find the room to run under the offensive tackle and run around behind the quarterback and come up that way. So. You know, he's going to show that early. He's going to show it often. So what Khan basically has to do is just keep blocking him backwards 
out of the picture on the television. Um, that's not easy for a guy like Han to do who's not as athletic as Von Miller, who doesn't have that ankle strength. Um, but it's really the only way to stop that move is just to use his speed against him and keep pushing him out of the way. All right, Chad, I'm going to jump to you on this. Uh, briefly, we discussed Blake Bortles and him being a young quarterback and this defense loving to force young quarterbacks in, uh, to making mistakes. What does Bortles have to do to avoid the costly mistakes like pick sixes, which he is prone to do in his career? What does he have to do to avoid those? Well, in, I would stay away from Aqib Tlaib. Um, just because Tlaib, a lot of people don't realize how um, much of a, a student of the game he really is in a, in a film room kind of junkie. And he studies his opponent, and he's one of the best in the business at baiting young guys into making a bad decision and, and making a throw. So first thing is, you know, uh, just be very careful if you're going to throw in, into Tlaib's coverage. You know, if not, just stay completely away from him. Um, you know, one guy who's been up and down this year, he's in his third season, is cornerback Bradley Roby. And, uh, you know, he's, he's coming off his second year that was very, very strong, um, you know, when the Broncos went on to win the Super Bowl. But this year, he's really kind of been up and down. And when he had to step in and play um, basically in place of Aqib Tlaib while Tlaib was dealing with a lower back, uh, injury for I, I believe it was three games you know he he made some plays but he also allowed a lot of big uh, stuff to happen and and last week you know he got exploited big time in Kansas City's final drive of regulation where they drove down they were down by eight points and uh, they drove down and the final two plays getting into the end zone um, Roby was really exploited one on a big fourth and ten conversion the second to actually score the touchdown so you know, that's that's one thing, and, and of course, you, you just want, if you're a young quarterback, you just want him to probably try and, and know where he's going with the ball uh, before the snap because the pressure is going to come. Um, it doesn't matter, not just from Von Miller. I mean, DeMarcus Ware, Derek Wolf, Shane Ray, uh, Shaquille Barrett. The Broncos just have, they're really deep as far as rushing the passer, uh, passer, and it's not just on the outside. Derek Wolf can really push the pocket inside as well. And, you know, that's one of the worst things for any quarterback is interior pressure in their face in terms of, you know, pushing them into bad decisions. Before we continue, let's pause briefly to tell our listeners about SeatGeek. The NFL season is in full swing, and SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for the games you want to see up close and in person this season. There's nothing like being in at the game for the biggest plays of the year, and with SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get the seats you want for a great value. SeatGeek has the best deals on every ticket in the house wherever you want to sit. Whether that's court, side, club seats, or the upper level, I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way i found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats for this weekend or any game this season. With SeatGeek, you can always get the best deal on every ticket because SeatGeek price compares for you by searching multiple ticket sites. Prices can vary depending on where you shop, but SeatGeek will always find you the lowest available price. And SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. Plus, every ticket you buy on SeatGeek is backed by their 100% guarantee. 
Best of all, my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab and click add a promo code. Enter promo code LOJAGUARS, capital L, capital O, Jaguars, and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code LOJAGUARS, capital L, capital O, Jaguars, today. All right, Chad, um, finish this sentence for me. In order for Jacksonville to be successful on offense, they have to do what effectively? Pound the rock. Yeah, pound the rock. The Broncos' Achilles heel this year has been stopping uh, the run. And, you know, one of the reasons could be missing out on uh, the services of one Malik Jackson. But right now the Broncos are ranked 27th in the NFL. They're allowing 120 yards uh, per game on the ground. And really, you know, going back to Derek Wolf, he's a guy that you want to stay away from. Run away. He, he and Miller line up on the same side, on the strong side. So you want to try and run away from those two guys, and that's really right into the grill of Jared Crick, whom the Broncos signed this past spring on a, on a two-year deal. To really, They signed him to be more of a rotational guy, uh, maybe compete for a starting job, but probably just rotate in and support Vance Walker, who was really tapped to replace uh, Malik Jackson. But Walker tore his ACL in camp, and that really pushed uh, Crick into the forefront along with the, the rookie second-rounder, Adam Gotsis, who, who just hasn't really turned the corner quite yet as a defensive end, a young defensive end in Wade Phillips' system. So running the ball on that left side and uh, trying to exploit that weakness, to me, you know, I, was, I watched the game against the Bills, and, and the Jags had a lot of success early, um, especially with uh, pounding the rock um, with uh, Chris Ivory. I mean, he, he had some huge runs right out of the gates, and I'm not sure exactly what his health status is this week, but if, if he's healthy, I think that's a matchup that, that the Jags should uh, try and take advantage of. All right, Luke, what can Jacksonville expect from Denver's offense? What are they going to try to do uh, in this game this Sunday? Well, it's looking increasingly like we're going to get Paxton Lynch, the rookie out of Memphis, starting at quarterback for Denver this week with Simeon still in that walking boot due to that injury. So Denver's going to have to simplify their offense for him. Um, It's going to be a lot more shotgun looks, a lot more multi-receiver looks just to spread the field um, and kind of reveal the coverage, make it look a little easier for him to read. So he's, he's, you know, he's going to be starting his second NFL game um, and he's going to go up against a defense that does have some talent um, in in key positions that are going to threaten him. So he is going to have to be out there, you know, making the right reads um, against that defense. Same thing that I talked about with Simeon goes for Lynch. Um, he struggled reading the field. So, you know, make him make him think that extra half second at the top of his footwork, the uh, top of his drop. And, you know, they have to frustrate him, pressure him, get him outside the pocket. Now, he has shown that he plays well outside the pocket. But if you get him playing outside the pocket enough, you're going to get him flustered and he's just going to tuck that ball and, and roll out after one read. And that's really what Jacksonville can do to frustrate a young quarterback. So the key is just to send the pressure and and get him rolling out and make that pocket of his a moving pocket in essence. I think so. And this is this is a guy who does have athleticism. Um, you know, he's not people would I've heard some people say, you know, oh, he's 
he's athletic for a quarterback. No, he's he's athletic. You know, he's a very athletic guy. He can move in the open space. He can run. He can burn you with his legs. But at this point, you know, that's that's a thing. You know, that's a that's kind of a necessary risk that you're going to take um, when you when you decide to pressure him, because if if you can get him dropping his eyes after one read um, and kind of running out to try and make a play with his legs, that's when you have the advantage there uh, as a defense. All right, Chad, I'll start with you and then get the Luke on this two players, one on offense, one on defense uh, for the Denver Broncos, which two players should Jacksonville fear the most coming uh, this Sunday in this game? Should Jacksonville fear or Denver fear? Should Jacksonville fear? Ooh, I would say um, on offense, you got to fear. You always have to fear Emmanuel Sanders. doesn't matter who's throwing the rock. I mean, his speed, he, he along with uh, former teammate Antonio Brown, they have some of the, 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 the quickest short area burst and just – quickness in in the NFL and we saw Sanders he kind of went into a little bit of a lull over a few game period in the middle of the season but he really broke out again um, last week against the Chiefs had multiple big plays including a long touchdown so he's a guy that you always have to be careful of because in a lot of cases I think people uh, sleep on him because of Demarius Thomas and his phenomenal size and you know what he can do to you but really, the Broncos have two number one receivers. You know, there's a 1A and a 1B. And Sanders, I think, is the most dangerous um, because of what he can do uh, with his deep speed. Now, on defense, you know, without stating the obvious, a guy like Von Miller, um, I would say Darian Stewart, Denver's free safety, who they just extended on a multi-year deal um, last week, is a guy that the Jacksonville Jaguars need to always know where he's at. They, you know, Wade Phillips sometimes – They'll, you know, they'll send him on a blitz. Um, they'll roll him into the box where he's real close to the line of scrimmage to make a play behind the line of scrimmage in the run game. And just two games ago, um, he was the first Bronco since 2001 to tally three takeaways in a game against the, the Saints, two interceptions, picking off Drew Brees, and uh, one fumble recovery. So that's a guy that you definitely want to know where he's at because when he comes thundering downhill, he's one of the heaviest, hardest hitters, most punishing hitters in the NFL, and he's a guy that can force turnovers in a variety of ways. All right, Luke, same question, two players, one on offense, one on defense. Who does Jacksonville need to fear the most? Yeah, for me, it's going to be defensively. You've got DeMarcus where you've got Von Miller. We all know what they're capable of. Um, I'm going to I'm going to hedge my bet a little bit here and say that uh, the the Jaguars really need to be focused on as well. The the third outside linebacker, you know, be that Shane Ray or be that Shaq Barrett who comes into the game because both of those guys are extremely talented. They'd probably start on most NFL teams. So, you know, when Von Miller leaves the field, when DeMarcus Ware leaves the field, whoever that third guy comes in. He can play and he's going to get pressure on the quarterback. And just because the backup is in does not mean it's going to be a letdown in uh, in talent. Um, offensively, uh, I think Chad hit the nail on the head with Emmanuel Sanders. Really, I think this could be a game for Demarius Thomas to prove himself. Um, he's he's a big bodied receiver. He's got the physical talent to play the game. But so often we just see him get out muscled, get the dropsies and just kind of disappear for stretches of game time. So this is a huge game for him, um, I think, where he can really establish himself, being that he's probably going to be going up against Jalen Ramsey, against some top tier talent and just try to, you know, establish himself as the the player that his potential really says that he can be. 
All right, last question for both of you. We'll start with Chad here. What are your predictions for this game? Is there any way Jacksonville walks out of Everbank with the win? Oh, yeah, there's definitely a way. You know, I think if anyone who's watched the Broncos play dating back to when Gary Kubiak took over as the head coach, this is a team that uh, plays their cards very close to the vest. They're content with, you know, um, their offense not necessarily putting up a lot of points because – they're, they're confident that the defense, when the chips are down late in the game, can come through with a big play or a stop. So, you know, typically uh, Broncos games, no matter who the opponent is, um, are decided in the fourth quarter. And I don't think this game will be any different. But I do expect the Broncos um, to – it'll be a hard-fought game. I think a lot of people who are expecting this to be, you know, ooh, the defending Super Bowl champs going against a 2-9 and team – you know, predicting or imagining some kind of a blowout are going to be disappointed. This is going to be a very hard-fought team. There's a lot of emotion involved in this game on both sides, um, and I think that's going to play out. Uh, Broncos win by a single score. I'll say something like 24-16. All right, Luke, uh, do you think it's going to be as close as Chad just described? I don't think it's necessarily going to be as close as that, but I do think it is going to be close. I think this is going to be a game that comes down late in the third quarter. I think a score is going to kind of blow this open for Denver. Um, you know, this this run game, they need some help. And if they can get a game here where they can just run the ball with the lead comfortably, that's going to be huge for the confidence of the Denver run game, um, which has really been depleted since losing C.J. Anderson for the rookie Devontae Booker. So I do think that whoever the quarterback is for Denver, you know, be it uh, a hobbled Trevor Simeon, be it the rookie Paxton Lynch, I do think Jay Jalen Ramsey is going to get a turnover on one of them. Um, I do think the pass rush is going to get home either way, but I see Denver walking out of this one with a 27-13 win. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm in agreement, there. I can't, I can't help but see Jacksonville walking out of this game with a loss against that defense. I, I just don't think it's possible. Um, thanks, guys, for, uh, for coming on. It was nice talking to you. Yeah, thanks for having us, Kerry. Appreciate it. Thanks, Kerry. All right, that's going to do it for us here today on this special edition of Locked on Jaguars. Again, crossed over with Locked on Broncos. If you're interested in following Locked on Broncos, you can follow them on Twitter at Locked on Broncos. A big thank you to Chad Jensen and Luke Polglaze for giving us their take on how this game will shake down on Sunday. Both Locked On Broncos and Locked On Jaguars are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the fastest growing audio network in the world today. Don't forget to check out Locked On NFL and Locked On NBA or any of the other podcasts dedicated to bringing you the most unique and fresh perspectives surrounding your favorite team. And we do that every Monday through Friday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Again, I'm your host, Kerry Belkin, signing off for this week. Hopefully come Monday, we'll be able to talk about a Jaguars win. But until then, have a good weekend. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst.